tell you what, Paul, the biggest occurrence over the last 10 days has not been Manchester United winning 2-1 against LASK this evening, which is what just happened. It's Richard Kahn coming back to Twitter. I know, right? <laughs> I mean... You don't get... No, we're, we're talking about you. You don't get to jump in when we're talking about you, <laughs> even if you are on the call. Hang on. Anyway, everyone, welcome to this week's Red Voices. Pleasure to have you with us. You've got you and Leonard, Paul Gunning and Richard Kahn to discuss Manchester United's aforementioned 2-1 victory over LASK. Somewhat of a formality for a 6-1 aggregate victory to put... Sorry, 7-1, beg your pardon, to get us through to the quarterfinals of the Europa League. Paul, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Yeah, I'm not too bad at all. I'm not really on Twitter much these days myself, so I hadn't even noticed Richard's return. So apologies for that. All right, you're above it all, are you? Yeah, it's beneath me, mate. Yeah, Yeah, I wish I was. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Rich, us scumbags, however. Yeah, how are you, mate? I'm all right. We just spend all day moaning about Arsenal, don't we? And another. Well, other... today, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. How are you? Oh, I can't complain too much. I mean, I missed you guys over the last 10 days. I thought we'd gotten into a nice little groove of those, you know, games every three to four days. I'm not going to lie, though. It was nice to have the uh, the weekend off for once. But here we are. You know, United through to the quarterfinals of the Europa League, as we all assumed they were going to do, barring a catastrophic defeat to the fourth-placed Premier League side for, uh, from Austria. So, yeah, I mean... I guess, Paul, starting with you, Lineup came out. We weren't necessarily expecting anything different. Remember starting, Maguire starting again, which was mm. something of a... Well, I'm not necessarily sure I was completely happy with that. But, you know, the team that we assumed to start for the most part, maybe it could have done with a little bit more youth, perhaps? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I guess he's, try- he's trying to keep a lot of players happy. Um I'm probably failing, really, because these guys probably... Although, then again, you know, the, the way they've played this evening... You expect them... They didn't make me happy. No, they, you expect them to come out and, th- you know, they're, they're playing for their places, they're, they're playing for a, a, the possibility of a final, you know, and, I mean, it was hardly a classic, was it? And you expect a bit of rustiness from players who haven't played a lot of football recently, but it wasn't just rustiness, it was abysmal. I mean, it really, it, it looked like a, a dads and lads match on the park with Dan James on one side and my matter on the other, both as bad as each other. <sighs> yeah, awful. <laughs> Rich, do you echo that sentiment? Yeah, there's not really anything anything much positive to take from that game, is there? Perhaps apart from the the goals themselves, because it was just bilge. I think you can you can uh, you saw, we saw in Norwich as well. I think you can um, forgive them a little bit because obviously they're not match fit at all. Um, it's been a long time since any of these guys actually played competitive football. Um, but having said that, they were almost to a man absolutely useless, um, and you can. <laughs> If if anyone needs a, a reminder of why Oli put out pretty much his best team every game for the for the last nine games, this was it. Yeah, I mean, I guess you know we discussed this at the time. The only thing was, you know, and we were discussing this just before we started recording. You can probably afford to make a couple of changes here and there on the starting eleven and not let the quality drop too much. But bringing everyone in to the side today, as we saw, was just. It made for a very disjointed display, didn't it? You know, the, the midfield, you know, McTominay and Fred really struggled. Matter, bless him. Despite, I mean, it, it was noted as the Bruno special. Play pretty bad, give the ball away a lot, and then contribute two goal contributions. Which was the best thing I can say for Juan Mata today. And he wasn't necessarily alone in that. You know, no one really stood out, at least from the starting eleven, Apart from maybe Jesse Lingard, perhaps, Paul? I thought he yeah, actually had a decent game. Yeah, I thought game. Jesse Lingard played quite well. I mean, but... You know, I mean, a pretty Rich low... doesn't agree, but carry no, on. No, I think, I mean, it's a pretty... <laughs> compared to, like, everyone else around him, I thought he played okay, and just okay, and it's a very, very low bar. 
Um, but he was energetic and he was he was at least sort of trying things. Um, I mean, Juan Mata was trying, but you can just see that his legs just cannot keep up. The tiny little legs can't keep up with his massive football brain anymore. And it's <laughs> kind of... That's a really sweet way of putting it. Yeah, no, we, you know, we all love Juan Mata, don't we? But I mean, phew. I, again, you know, these guys are just barely played and you can see there's a lot of them with absolutely zero confidence as well. And I think the likes of McTominay and Fred, who you've mentioned... You know, earlier on in the season, you know, people were singing their praises and saying because they were doing a pretty good job under the circumstances earlier in the season. You know, that we, we all know they're not Paul Pogba level, they're not Bruno Fernandes level, but now they know they're sort of second string, and all these players know they're second string. It's it's kind of a tough ask really for them to come out and and set the world alight. But I mean, you expect a little bit more than what we saw tonight. I mean, I'm, I'm loath to give Chris Sutton too much credit but he wasn't wrong when he was talking about the lack of quality in United's final ball you know we didn't necessarily have any sustained pressure in the first 18 minutes of that game I think you know Mm. we didn't really push Lask back for more than a couple of minutes at any stage you know it was just little sort of scratches of possession and then quick breaks and you know, from Mata to Igalo, Dan James was terrible for it, all like non bless him. Um it, the final ball just wasn't there. You know, they, they couldn't find each other. You know, if it was if it wasn't Dan James taking two or three more touches than he should have done and not trying to find a first time ball, if it wasn't Mata, as you said, and his little legs not being able to cope with his football god brain, then you know, who else was it? You know, the one good through ball from the evening, at least from the flanks, came from Brandon Williams and you know, Rich, you mentioned it. Dan James points out where he wants it. The ball goes exactly where he wants it, and he couldn't reach it. Nor could Jesse Lingard. And you know that didn't sum things up. You know, I mean, I guess the one thing for LASK, in the sense that it was actually quite useful for us, was again they'd clearly been looking at the way that the Premier League had ended over the last month or so, and decided the best way to try and get some joy out of this United side is to press as high up the pitch. And that at least gave us some more experience of trying to pass it out from the back. And we didn't. Considering how badly it went against Southampton, and I know LASK aren't anywhere near as good as Southampton, at least we didn't look too shaky doing it, I would say, Rich. Yeah, I mean, far more uh, possession broke down in the kind of middle of the pitch rather than rather than the, the, the back end. Um, I think, again, we were saying we were WhatsApping during the game, weren't we? And I, again, you could see Tomine gives the ball away far too much. And the midfielders actually had quite a lot of time and space at times tonight and just didn't really make enough of it. Um, it was just really sloppy, wasn't it? It was just kind of a really scratchy performance, and nobody was nobody was getting their passing right. Nobody was really making the right decisions for most of the match, really, until the second goal, which was the first really kind of high quality move that we that we'd done all game. I tell you, he'll be happy tonight, though. All those, you know, remember all those people who were complaining about Solskjaer smiling earlier in the season. He barely cracked a mm. smile for the entire match until Martial scored. He was just sat there grimacing. Well, to be fair, neither did I. Like we all were. I mean, you know. I should I should say that we have to remember that we we saw an awful lot of these kind of games over um, over Fergie's years and you know in the final sorts of years we've I remember we lost at home to Cluj um, after we were already through we lost we lost at home to Besiktas when we were already through with Obertan and Bebe starting oh, yeah, and um, you know there's been a, there's been loads of these but I think we drew with Basel once when we when we'd uh, already qualified yeah I, mean, I don't think any of us sort of sat sat here kind of you know, beating our chest angrily about the fact that we've no, no, you know no. that we've put in a pretty dire performance. It's it is what it is. It's a, it was a nothing game. I mean, Lask were playing for a bit of pride, and I thought they played okay for you know the standard that they are. 
Um, you just, I just think you, you, you kind of want to see a little bit more from from this sort of second string of players. You know, do, do you want to do you want a future at the club or not, sort of thing. But I guess you know, to be fair to them, it is it's a long time out of football for a lot of them, and and like I said before, you know, there's, there's absolutely no confidence between them, really. Mm, I mean, to me, I would just have appreciated seeing a few more examples that United's squad depth doesn't comp- quality of the team doesn't completely plummet off a cliff as soon as we stake that starting 11 out of the equation and you know obviously as we've said several times we'll keep using the caveat you know they haven't played a lot of first team football over the last few months not since lockdown and some in some cases not even before then so no I don't really think anyone really gave us anything new to think about apart from maybe Tahith Chong who actually put in quite a good little shift at left back when he came off from Brandon Williams which was out of left field but yeah, I thought he did quite well. I mean, it was pointed out that he looked a little bit more composed and was making better decisions on the ball than we've seen him when he's come on. Obviously, when you come in sort of the last 20, 15 minutes of the game and sometimes you're asked to influence it, you know, the, the spotlight is on you. And I think Chong has found it particularly difficult to make the right calls in those moments because he's trying so hard to impress. Tonight, I actually thought that he did that without trying too hard. His touches, his vision, actually they were pretty much spot on, you know, and... If he'd had better players than, say, Andreas Pereira on the left flank with him, then it could have gone differently. He might have actually had a big goal contribution this evening. But, yeah, I mean, other than that, I guess we'll just talk about the goals now. The Weissinger goal. I mean, a goal fit to take the lead in any match, even if it was against us. <laughs> what a strike. It was massively out of place in this, in this game, wasn't it? It was the, the kind of one, apart from this United's second goal, the one moment of absolute quality in the game. Hmm. He, sort of, he well, it, sort of passed it with power into right it couldn't have been more in the top corner could it no no it was a really brilliant strike it's one of those goals where you can't you can't really blame anybody no. you just look at it and go yeah you just go fair enough hands up that was a great that was a great hit and you all, I, I sort of felt sorry for him that there were there were no fans there I mean it was you know playing at Old Trafford for Lask you're 5-0 down and you score a wonder strike you know you'd want a few fans there to celebrate with wouldn't you but hey never mind I mean, he almost scored immediately after that as well, but turned that shot just wide of the post. And it was shortly after that that uh, awful pass from, I think it was uh, last midfield, goes straight to Juan Mata and he instantly turns around and just frees Jesse Lingard, who I think wisely didn't play in Dan James <laughs> for the shot. Then he got deflected by Weisinger himself, won all within about 90 seconds. And after that, it was pretty plain sailing for United, even if they didn't necessarily you know, barge the door down and make it a you know a really definitive result by any stretch of the imagination. You know, United were pretty much in control after that point onwards, weren't they really, Rich? Yeah, it became a bit of a dead game after that, didn't it? I mean, it didn't really look like we'd score either, but you can see it goes back to this to the, what we were talking about in terms of the second eleven being such a an enormous step down on the first. You know, Martial comes on and immediately we're getting little combinations between between Matter and, and Martial and we scored a goal that we wouldn't have been able to score if we if if he hadn't been on the pitch. Um, mm. So I mean, oh, it was lovely, wasn't it? It was it was a lovely goal, but it's it's a sort kind of thing we've seen quite quite regularly with you know or going all the, all the way back to Solskjaer's first match at, at Cardiff. You know, we scored a, scored a very similar goal, and Marshall again scored a very similar goal there, and we've 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 really stepped up that kind of one touch passing in and around the box, which is something that was so lacking under Mourinho and and probably for most of the time under LVG as well as well it's another sign of the kind of patterns that we're we're, we're coaching and and also that we have got some players who can actually pull it off now 
I mean, I guess that sets us up quite nicely now for the bubble tournament. Uh, we'll be heading off to Germany uh, probably over the weekend and then kicking off a court final tie against Copenhagen, who ran out 3 0 winners tonight from Rio against Istanbul Besser Hacks here. Uh, did I say that right, Rich? I have absolutely no idea. I actually watched <laughs> That's this game. Incredibly uncultured of you. Sorry, I actually watched this game. Um, they only had three players under 30, and they just kind of come right at the end of their season, whereas the Copenhagen haven't played for a bit and it, and it showed. So I bet there was nothing in that game that, that would really or should really scare United for the for the quarterfinal. Well, not, not the main team, you would assume, right? No, no, exactly. I mean, I, to be honest, if we put out the same 11 as tonight, pretty much anybody in the competition could beat us <laughs> on, their, on their day. So, But, for you know, for a, a far stronger team with our kind of A, a players in, um, you would hope that we'd have enough to get through there and possibly you know, even with two or three changes. I mean, one random observation tonight... Best dribbler on the pitch, Harry Maguire. He, he did well, didn't he? He really did. Yeah, it's very it, strange. It, kind of dribbling out from the back. Twinkle Twos Maguire, think... yeah. yeah. Twinkle Twos? Twos, yeah. That's what they call him. Yeah, no, Twos. I see. Okay. It's a very interesting speech impediment you got there, Paul. I'm digging it. <laughs> um, I mean, again, you, know, you mentioned it there, Rich. The goal itself was lovely. I mean, few players are as enjoyable to watch with that intricate tippy-tappy quick passing than Anthony Martial he's the best player at the club in terms of our forwards to actually be able to do it so you know to, to come from behind I mean I guess obviously the context is key in this instance but it's always nice to get a result from those uh, from those circumstances and you know United have barring the Chelsea game every time we've fallen behind and we've fallen behind about four or five times over the post-lockdown period we've come up behind and gotten a result pretty much every time so you know that's encouraging and I guess that sets us up now for the bubble tournament. Uh, a couple more bits and bobs to discuss. I mean, obviously, we've gone through Copenhagen there, Rich. Um, transfer news, I guess, is where we're going to start next. Just before we do that, let's take a quick break. Support for this week's episode of Red Boys. This is brought to you by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped has just launched in the UK and are bringing their waterproof long-life battery electric trimmer to you so you can trim your nether regions in comfort with a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents and a nice LED for those hard-to-reach places. As a loyal listener to Red Voices, you can get free shipping and 20% off of Manscaped's products and packages, no pun intended, by using a special discount code. So to get 20% off and free shipping, use the code REDVOICES, or one word, at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com using the code red voices i'm going to save this last line because it's marketing genius manscapes make your testies their besties now where do we go first we've got three s's sancho sanchez or smalling paul why don't you decide okay um so glad to see the back of sanchez um, <laughs> there we go i mean look i've got nothing against him but you sound like you do well I'll never forget that game against Paris Saint-Germain at Old Trafford um, last season when he came on and I was watching it with Darren Richmond and we just sort of looked at each other because the ball, it was quite a high ball looping down towards him and it just kind of bounced off him. And it didn't, but like bounce, you know, like a, a when a toddler is bouncing on one of those bouncy things with horns, what they're called? Space hopper. Space hopper. You know, when they kind of like hit a stone <laughs> or something or hit a curb and just boom. It was like that. Oh, God. I mean, it, it was never going to work for him at United. So I don't know what happened to him. Um, the, the club wasn't the right fit. Obviously, he wasn't the right fit for us. And I don't wish him any ill, but I'm so glad to see the back of him. And, and you know, he caused, caused so much discord, I think, as well in, in the dressing room. 
um, with his wages and maybe his, a bit of his attitude and all that kind of thing. So I think we've done well to get rid of him. I really do. And and, and pray, praise be Antonio Conte. Yeah, I can't really add anything to that. I think I, I imagine the club literally can't believe they've managed yeah. to get rid of him without paying most of his wages off or paying a large portion of his wages for the next couple of years. I mean, the, it's, it's been very strange for United in that we've had a couple of loans this year that have actually been productive for the players, which is not something that's uh, and useful for United as well, which is not something we've we've really seen for quite a, quite a while. Um, yeah, so I mean, to get rid of him, if you if you think about it, we're basically off the hook for kind of top end about fifty million quid in wages, which <clears throat> over two years, which is just insane, isn't it? And and if we even if even if he was back on loan at Inter, we'd be paying half of that. So we we've, we've just got away with a you know a good, a good twenty five million shot in the arm. And yeah, he just, he just never fitted, did he? He just he was just never the right <clears throat> the right player at the right time. And you have to credit, I think, Ollie for in the same way you do with Lukaku, you have to, and Smalling, you have to credit him for deciding who he wants and who he doesn't want, and sh- and shipping out the ones he doesn't want, even if they're incredibly highly paid and, and big names. So yeah, I, I doubt there's any United fan who's not absolutely delighted that he's gone. And to think that he 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 basically came in and replaced Martial as well. He was in good form at the time. I mean, yeah. oh God, it was just such a nightmare signing. It's the worst sign. It must be the worst signing in the United. Well, the worst signing in terms of both player and um, financials combined in, in the history of United. It's got to be up there, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, where to start? He gave us a couple of nice moments. You remember that winner against Newcastle and the you know pretty decent second half performance against City when they were prepping the fireworks to lift the Premier League trophy in Mourinho's second season. You know, there were. Yeah, but you can count them on one hand, can't you? Really. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. were just flashes, though, yeah. weren't there? You know, there was, there were, there are perhaps elements in his last half season at Arsenal of what we should be expecting when he signed for us, and when you hear reports and you know murmurings coming out of Arsenal saying, somewhat glad to see the back of him, we're not surprised he's struggling over there. He was not necessarily a great presence to hang around the club. And you see that exact same thing happen at United. Well, it's not really that much of a surprise. You know, it is a shame that it's ended the way it has but you know look at what we've got now look at the players that have been able to grow and blossom in his stead and I think you know whoever's decision it was whether it was Woodburn or Mourinho it's let both of them off the hook that it's now ended and it obviously it's as you mentioned there the fact that Martial was essentially shunted out and ostracized by Sanchez's mere presence because they were playing in the same position it just makes that decision look even worse with the way that this whole 18 month period went down and, but, and in the same way I guess good for him you know he seems like he's doing alright over at Inter he's enjoying himself again he's assisting and he's going to do alright in Serie A so fine fair play to him I mean Chris Smalling I guess we'll we'll save Sancho for last because that's probably a bigger topic hmm. I'll go over to you first Emmerich I mean I can't say I've watched a lot of Serie A this season or Rome in particular so the decision to what it apparently seems to be not caving to Roma's rather, you know, quite unquote paltry fee. Seems to be that Small is going to come back to the club for next season. What do you make of it all? He's had a very, very good season at Roma. Starting to think, again, Ashley Young's had a pretty good season for Inter as well. I'm starting to oh, wonder... Bring him if, back if, as well. If, yeah, I mean, if, if Sierra isn't quite, quite as I think it is at the moment, I think I think probably there's an awful lot of pretty poor teams in, in that league. And Smalling's a good a good defender I mean he, he's probably the most natural defender but he's you know he's the issue that he had and it's an issue that Gareth Southgate's highlighted as well is just that he's not 
good at playing out of the out the back. And in, it, when we're trying to to pass through a high press, he, I don't I just don't think he's the guy you need. But I think United are in a, in a fortunate position in that he did so well in Syria. It's unlikely that it's only Roma who are interested in keeping him. It wouldn't surprise me if someone like Inter or even Juve went in for him as a as a centre back option. He gets get a couple of years out of him there. Um, so it, much like Sanchez, it's it's kind of one where it's just that the the loan has worked out for everybody. Um, and fingers crossed. I mean, I can't see him. He, he didn't want to be third choice last summer, so he's not going to want to be third choice this coming season. So ultimately, the imperative is on him as well as the club to find somewhere to to go and play. So. I think that'll get sorted in the end. I mean, regardless of having had a good season in Italy, again, I'm pleased for him because, you know, despite repeated errors and, you know, several lapses in concentration over the course of his United career, there was still something of a player there, you know. There was a lad that clearly wanted to be United, understood what it meant, and provided us with several great moments. And I guess the only thing... From my perspective, is that one good season Serra doesn't necessarily change what we know he can do in a United shirt, and the differences in playing, as you said, there in Italy, Rich, are you know, and the intricacies of what you're you can technically get away with a little bit more in terms of your defensive play there, because obviously the play's not as high pressure. I'm not saying it's not as high quality, but we need better. I think it's fair to suggest here, and. You know, I'm not necessarily sure if that's Bay or if that's Lindelof, but I'm pretty sure that's not Smalling. We know enough of what he can provide us in a United shirt to say that if he was first choice, I'm not necessarily sure many United fans would be feeling incredibly confident about our chances of keeping a raft of clean sheets next season. Paul, what's your summation of that? Well, yeah, not not that much to add really. I, I, I do. I'm pleased for Smalling because, like you, I've, I've, I've always sort of quite liked him. He seems like a decent enough bloke and stuff, but. Um... Uh, it would be a backward step, wouldn't it, to take him back? And I, I don't think Lindelof's the man. Um, I'm not sure about Bay. I've got reservations about him, but then it's hard to say because of all his injuries. But I know Smalling isn't good enough for for the United first team. And and fair play to him for not wanting to be third choice. You know, he wants to play football, and, and you've got to respect that. So I think uh, Rich is right. I think there'll be there'll be other suitors other than Roma, whether here or abroad, because he's had that good season in Italy. And uh, I think it won't take long for him to be out the door and we can wish him well. Right. I guess for transfer talk, there's only one way to finish off. It's the battle of the posturing lads, Jaden Sancho. I mean, we haven't really been speaking much about transfers, obviously, because there's not necessarily been that much to talk about, at least for the time being. But now the transfer window is indeed open. And there's the legs on this story already over the last 10 days. It, it Ugh, I'm already exhausted. I'm already tired. I'm sick of the briefing from both sides. I'm tired of Ed Woodward thinking that anyone fully believes he's going to walk away from this deal, given the amount of column inches that United have provoked from their briefing on this subject. Rich, thoughts? I think on the balance of probabilities, it's a transfer that's likely to happen. But I don't think it's a fait accompli at the moment. Um, I mean, I scan the, uh, the last set of accounts that United have got um, when they when they last when they were published, oh yeah, a bit of reading over breakfast, a bit of reading over breakfast. But the, <laughs> the, essentially, United United had let or have or had at that point less than a hundred million pounds in the bank. And if you if you work on the basis that we've had no income since then, we've probably had, we we definitely had to pay a rebate to the TV companies for for the TV deal. Um, and obviously, we've paid kept kept on all the staff and paid all the staff through 
through through COVID so far, it's difficult to know where exactly we're going to find a hundred and ten or a hundred and twenty million euros or whatever it is they want. And, and might, we possibly will do, but it's it's a really strange summer in that this isn't necessarily all a case of just posturing for a month and then buying Maguire anyway or buying Fernandez anyway. There may actually be some financial imperative to try and ease the deal or ease the cost of the deal a little bit. But it's all, you, you just don't know what's going on, do you? I mean, they're clearly talking. They're clearly both serious about um, a sale or trying to negotiate a sale. Um, and I don't think I don't think Dortmund are as immune to our offers as they're saying they are. Um, but I do think it's going to be quite a long process and quite a difficult deal to go over the line it, just because of the summer that we've got and we probably aren't able to pay as much up front as we as we might like or Dortmund might like. And, and I think it, 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 I think these negotiations are just more difficult than they would normally be. Yeah, I agree completely. It's just it's a very bizarre situation. A lot of agreement tonight, yeah. This is lovely. I, know, I mean, yeah. it's classic United as well, though, isn't it? And, and I think that's, that's part of why... United fans get so irate with it all because we know what Woodward's like. We know that a lot, so much of it is sort of um, our briefing is terrible, and... isn't it? Absolutely awful. Yeah, it's it's kind of impossible to, like Rich says, it's kind of impossible to know what's going to happen because things are so different this at this season or this summer. I think it seems like Sancho wants to come to the club. I think Dortmund need the money, but then again, would they want to take less than they, than they value the player at? I don't know. It's a really tricky one. I hope we do get him because I think it'd be a fantastic signing. And I think, and I think we probably will end up paying whatever we have to pay, because you know we've got Champions League football again next season, and and we really, I think Solskjaer really wants to kick on after you know a decent season this season. So, yeah, hopefully. The thing that sticks in my head more than anything else is that United are so proud and so keen to maintain their public image. And as mentioned, they've spent a lot of time briefing about this deal in the months leading up to the transfer window. So they will have had a rough idea about what Dortmund were asking for. You know, It won't be a surprise to them that the price tag might be a little bit more than they were expecting. And to me, I don't think United, and I don't think Woodward in particular, considering how quickly and frequently he likes to brief about the inner workings of transfer dealings in an effort to make Woodward and Matt Judge and you know the, the United transfer board in general uh, are very keen to make sure that they don't look stupid and I think if this all falls apart over the case of money because United feel like they're being taken for a ride they do run the risk of looking stupid considering how much they have leaked to the press. But they always kind of end up looking stupid anyway don't they because they always end up paying. Well we the... did it several times last year yeah, yeah like Maguire for instance we still ended up paying Fernandez the well. amount that Leicester wanted just a couple of weeks later yeah. And it meant that he didn't join up with the side till several weeks after, ideally, Ollie would have wanted him in the side. You know, he didn't really get a proper preseason with United. This is just, I, I, I know that transfers are so, you know, obviously there's huge sums of money that go into these business deals. They're not necessarily easy to do. There's image rights, there's payment installments, there's bonuses, there's all sorts of stuff to be ironed out. But I guess it's just, you know, it's 2020, man. I mean, can we not just have a little bit less cloak and dagger about the whole goddamn thing? Like, we know what's going on. I mean, it's just the the, the posturing, I think, that gets to me more than anything else. It's just... It's funny as well, isn't it? Especially this year, it's tiring. It is tiring. It's funny as well, isn't it, how... Um, do you remember earlier in the season when things were going pretty badly and Woodward did all... No, I don't. <laughs> Woodward did all those interviews. There was that splurge of interviews. Um, and he was going about, oh, yeah, we, we 
we've transformed the the scouting system. We've got like eight hundred scouts or something all over the world, and <laughs> we, we'd identified nine million right backs and you know six thousand centre backs, and ended up with Wan Bissaka and Harry Maguire, who we all knew about in the first place. And here we are, here we go again. Yeah. You know, like how many wingers did they have in their database this time? And they've ended up targeting oh, Jaden Sancho, who we all knew about. It's uh, yeah. it's all we all we know. It's all bullshit. It's all bullshit. It's Edward Wood, it's Manchester United, and it's all bullshit. Um, what happens, happens. I mean, I guess the other thing to mention tonight would be Paul Scholes, you know, when actually pressed on BT Sport about who, you know, in, in terms of actually the, the content of a Jadon Sancho transfer, he was saying, obviously, he'd improve United, and I think he's a really good player, but he'd lean more towards bringing Harry Kane in. Ugh. Now, God. Excellent passer of a football, fantastic twatter of a football, not very good on opinions these days. No, it, it's it's. I mean, that would just be such. A, where the hell would he fit into this United side? You know, we're going for young players. Centre back. I mean, I think the thing with Sancho is he would. I think because people have been talking a lot about um, you know what effect will that have on Mason Greenwood's development, and but I don't think he would be competition to Mason Greenwood necessarily. I think it would mean that Mason Greenwood become competition to Martial because. That's where Solskjaer is going to see Greenwood playing is up front, so you know what I mean. So and and it just means that we can play all these different players interchanging up front and in different positions, swapping wings, blah blah blah. And mm. that's why he would be a fantastic player. Whereas if you get Harry Kane, he's just Harry Kane. There's one. There's one <laughs> place he can play. You know, yeah. his ball has just come on. It, grow up. Also, also the fact that he he's quite clearly. Would cost a couple of times what Sancho yeah. would cost, and and Levy would never sell anything. No, he's in, and so, he's in, in decline. He's you know he's still a very good yeah. player. Don't get me wrong, but he's definitely you know he's on on the wane, isn't he? Yeah, hmm. I mean, I don't, I don't think he's got the quite the physical attributes no. or the physical um, perhaps the reaction or agility or whatever that he had uh, maybe two or three years ago. No. So, but you know, it's just an absurd <laughs> absurd suggestion. So and ultimately, United spent spend their entire transfer budget on Harry Kane. And then still don't have a right winger. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, whereas we we have, we have a striker who's is he on twenty three this season, Martial? In all yeah. competitions, twenty three. Yeah. You know, we have a striker that can do a really good job there. We don't have a right winger who can a, sort of a classic right winger or right sided forward who at all at the club. And Sancho would just completely fit this this new sort of system that Solskjaer's gone for this season, wouldn't he? Just he, he, it would, it, you know, you get the feeling that he just slots straight in. He obviously knows quite a few of the players already from England duty and whatnot. So it just, you know, it makes it does make perfect sense. His his his, his numbers and his oh, his performances are absolutely elite for staggering for his they? age. I mean, absolutely ridiculous. Mm. He, he he's one of the sort of two or three best yeah you know his under, stats are under, outrageous sort of un, under 21s in the world and and he's clearly still got a lot of room to grow as well yeah. and the thing is as well he's, he's so good he's incredibly um, versatile you can play on either yeah. wing he's, he's played at 10 sometimes for Dortmund you know but one of the one of those good things that United would then have is you've got at least four very 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 high class forwards who can actually play anywhere across the line mm. and do and do a really good job and that's we've we've not had that for for quite a while. So, I mean, I think in terms of his age, in terms of his nationality, in terms of his commercial appeal, yeah. um, and 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 just what what he'd add to the team, he's a bit of a no brainer if you if you have the money to do it. Are we still talking about Harry Kane here? 
Oh, oh sorry. No, did not. I? No, no. I'd moved. I'd moved on. I to was Sancho. joking. Oh, good, good, good. I mean, in terms of the last time we had four quality forwards on this level, I mean, you don't have to go back that far. That's 2014. Robin van Persie, Wayne Rooney, Radamel Falcao, and Di Maria. There it is. Yeah. Yeah. A, a broken Falcao. And a broken true. Van Persie, yeah. broken-hearted Van Persie, and a broke. Well, bro- all four of them are broken. Let's be quite frank. <laughs> it broke my heart in the process. Wayne Rooney, um, yeah, crocked Wayne Rooney. Oh, God, um, it'd be twenty-one years, I think. Now, isn't it? It's, it's the it's the treble team. Solskjaer, Sheringham, York, and Cole. That's the last time we would have. I mean, you would say that the if if Sancho came through and we had those four, we would never have had uh, in terms of four players in terms of the spread of quality that we've got there. You're thinking back maybe to the Holy Trinity times in terms of United having such great attacking quality on their hands, you know, in terms of Best Law and Charlton. But I guess what the only thing I would say against it is that if you look at the money it would take to get the deal together, so what, 90, 100 million pounds, you could probably safeguard the centre back and defensive midfielder positions for the next three, four, five years if you took that money and used it correctly to strengthen those positions. But then again, you'd have to be trusting United to make sure they picked out the right players for that. And this is also a club that has very recently given the Manu Matic a long-term contract and has not necessarily got the best track record for keeping hold of the right players, shall we say. So, I mean, if Sancho came in, let, let's be quite frank, that's incredibly exciting. And, you know, you're right, both of you. you know, it's... It shouldn't be looked at as someone coming in to take Mason Greenwood's place. It should be coming in to strengthen the forward line. It means that there's less pressure on Mason to provide all the time. He wouldn't need to play all the time because if we're going to stick with 4-3-3 going into the next season, which is clearly our most potent uh, formation, you don't want to be flogging that front three constantly. As you guys have always mentioned as well, you want to have some positional flexibility and variation. So... As mentioned, Sancho, Sancho could potentially play at number 10. You, know, you don't necessarily have to play Martial through the middle all the time. And you've got different ways of hurting teams. And, you know, United have so for so long been stuck in just playing in one fashion and only having a specific set of weapons to hurt teams. Bringing in Sancho, regardless of the cost, would certainly add a completely different element to our attack. And I think given how many times we struggle to break down teams to take control of games and really force issues in very, very tight results. I think it's it's a signing that could potentially transform us and start really making people think about us as a force to be noticed in England and potentially abroad. Yeah, you wouldn't want to play against us, would you? I mean, it's, it's a terrifying uh, forward line. And then with Fernandes and Pogba behind them, I mean, phew, there's not a lot of teams that would relish that. Well, lads, that'll do it for our first pod back for the Europa League uh, mini-tournament. Let's have a quick score prediction ahead of Copenhagen on Monday. Now, it's been, quick maths check, 14 years, I think, since we last played this team in the Champions League group stages. What are, what are we thinking? Put it out there. We should be winning that game. I think Oli will put a lot more of the um, sort of first-choice eleven in, um, if only to keep them sharp before, the, before we play somebody really good, if we turn up. To any degree, we should be winning that game. Probably, you know, two nil, two or three nil. Um, if we don't, then it'll be a bit more sticky. But you'd still hope we sort of shit our way through it. <laughs> I, mean, I don't. I don't watch any Danish football. You'll be surprised to know. 
<laughs> I am surprised. I know, I know. I, I look like such a hipster, but uh, um, so I, I have no idea. I think we, obviously, uh, what, from what I've heard and read, we should be beating at Copenhagen. It, you know, it's a pretty decent draw for us. Um, I think Solskjaer will probably start with his best eleven anyway. Try and get the job done, and then make a few changes. Um, that's what I'd do. So you know, if you're listening, Ollie. Um But yeah, so we should we should imagine go if through. he is. Imagine if he is. <laughs> Imagine. And he's thinking, God, you know what? I, I'm going to listen to yeah. Paul. Paul's the only one of those three basses that stood by me. Exactly, yeah. Months. yeah. Excellent, lads. Pleasure. Let's meet up again on Monday. Let's do it. Absolutely. Thanks, everyone, for joining us this week. Pleasure to have you with us, as always. And I hope you all enjoyed your week off away from the football, because Lord knows we're not going to be getting many of those in the next 12 months. <clears throat> but in the meantime, don't forget, you can get us all over Twitter, should you so wish. You can get Rich and at Rich Red Voices, Paul at Paul Gunning one me at you and like this, and the pod at Red Voices MUFC. There's also our website at redvoices.net. The podcast itself can be found on Acast, the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, SoundCloud, pretty much anywhere you could possibly want it, quite frankly. And one last note before we finish off for this week, don't forget, 20% off and free shipping for all Manscaped products and packages using the code REDVOICES. That's REDVOICES, all one word, at manscaped.com. We'll be back with you after the Copenhagen game next Monday night. Take care of yourselves. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>